Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today, or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Uh, welcome everyone, wherever you are, uh, whenever you're listening. We know most people listen to this uh, uh, not live, but on a recording, and I, that is absolutely fine. Most people work and are busy and have things going during their day. Uh, for some people, it's the middle of the night, so that doesn't work either. So that is absolutely fine. And uh, please give us your feedback. We would, we've changed this program a lot over the last 14 years and uh, want to do whatever is helping you. That's, that's what we started out wanting to do. It's something that had nothing to do with money that was just about helping people as best we can. So uh, let us know how we can do that better. All right. The spiritual law of nature for today, my title for it is One Changes, One Never Does. Okay? Uh, our beliefs can change and do change and maybe even should change, all right? Doing what is right in the present moment should never change. So regardless of what your belief, regardless of where you are, when you are, regardless of what's going on, regardless of your age, regardless of your culture or ethnicity, uh, and anything else you can name, you should always be doing what you believe is right in that moment. That should never change. But our beliefs, and sometimes even our beliefs about what is right, will change and should change in, in a lot of circumstances. And all of us are familiar with that, okay? Uh, the, predom the predominant belief in the world used to be that the world was flat, all right? And, if, and, and before they could prove that wasn't the case, if someone stood up and said, okay, I have the belief that the world is round and not flat, 
I guarantee you they were mocked, they would or would have been mocked and ridiculed. Okay? Uh, the thing about uh, uh, the earth revolving around the sun rather than the other way around uh, and, and about stars and planets and stuff like that, Galileo, who discovered some of that stuff, expressed his different belief from what was then the predominant belief and was put in jail for it, all right? Uh, it used to be the predominant belief in medicine, and a lot of medical doctors are going are to cringe when I remind them of this, that the thing to do to help people heal was to bleed them. And uh, we know now that many people died from the bleeding, okay? Um, and, and on and on and on, okay? Uh, the greatest tragedies and, and, and horrors the world have, has ever seen has come from, from wrong beliefs and from people not doing what I believe they probably knew in their heart was not right in the present moment. Okay, so one changes, one never does. And, and never should, okay? The two are intimately connected. What we do and what we believe is right are completely connected. But here's where it gets tricky. You always do what you believe. No exceptions, okay? And I've talked about this a number of times. I've, I've had clients who I have told that to, who have gotten so angry with me because they were there because they had some addiction or some terrible thing they did that uh, broke up their marriage or that hurt their children or that they were put in prison for or something like that. And uh, they absolutely would say, I knew that was wrong when I did it, but I did it. And they were talking with me to sort of, okay, how do I pick up the pieces and have the best life from here on out? And then I told them, no, you, you had to believe that the right thing to do was what you did or you never would have done it. It's impossible. You would not have done it. And as you might imagine... Uh, a number of them have not appreciated that point of view. And you're, you may be sort of scratching your head right now as, as well on that one. So let me explain that a little bit. You have trillions of memories and images and pictures. And anytime anything happens in your life, it is instantly at 186,000 miles per second filtered through every memory that you have, including inherited memories from your ancestry, all right? If, if there are memories inside you that are danger, fear-based memories that say, ah, Alex might, might get hurt here, we need to, we need to be careful, there's a danger memory, there's a fear memory related to something happening in Alex's life now, then 
your unconscious mind pulls the fire alarm and you go into fight or flight. The problem is there may not be anything remotely threatening to you in your current circumstances. The memory that is the basis of your unconscious pulling the fire alarm has a lie in it. And it's the lie that's causing the fire alarm to be pulled, not the current circumstance. So, if I, um, what's a good example here? Ah, when I was a little boy, I remember uh, one of the most fearful time periods of my life is when I stole a candy bar from the Five and Dime in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, which is where I grew up until I was nine years old, okay? And I tell you what, I was only like six or seven, but I felt like I was going to have a heart attack before I got out of that store with that stolen candy bar in my pocket, okay? Well, I also guarantee you that if you had asked me, if you'd been outside the five and dime, as soon as I got out and then went around the corner and opened up that candy bar and ate it, and it didn't taste nearly as good as I thought it was going to, by the way, uh, and I was sorry I ever did it. It's like, boy, that sure wasn't wasn't worth it. But if you had asked me, hey, Alex, do you believe it was right for you to take that candy bar? Do you believe that was the best thing for you to do in that moment? I promise you, and if a thousand people asked me that question at that moment, I would have answered all thousand of them exactly the same way. No, I do not believe that was the best thing, the right thing for me to do. I believe it was a wrong thing for me to do, and that's why I was about to have a heart attack, okay? Well, 50-something-year-old Alex today would have to disagree with six-year-old Alex. I would not have taken the candy bar unless I also had a belief that it was best for me to do that in that moment. Okay? And let me me go a little further with this, okay? Hang on with me here just a minute. We can have multiple beliefs about the same thing. Some of them... True, some of them lies, some of them partially true, some of them uh, from one perspective, some of them from a different perspective, okay? So I had, what I believe today is that that six-year-old Alex who stole the candy bar had competing beliefs about taking that candy bar. One of my beliefs absolutely was that it was wrong for me to do it. And at that time, I would have said it it was a sin for me to do it. Okay? And had no doubt about that. But the other belief is that I wanted it so bad and there was no other way I could get it because I didn't have the money and my parents wouldn't give me the money and that... It really wouldn't be that terrible. I could steal it, even though I knew it was wrong, eat it, and then I could pray to God and ask for forgiveness, and everything would be okay, plus I got the candy bar. All right? 
That is the belief I acted on. Not the one that said, this is wrong, absolutely, period, end of discussion. I did not act on that one, all right? So which one we act on when we have competing beliefs about the same thing is, is the key. And very often, uh, there's an emotional element of that. There's a chemical element of that. Uh, we've discovered recently, and this was research done uh, primarily about internet pornography, that when we imagine doing something that we believe is wrong, we experience a chemical, internal chemical hormonal tidal wave that is unlike anything else, all right? The negative hormones are released and the positive hormones are released all at the same time. And it is absolutely almost overwhelming, okay? So the longer I thought about wanting that Milky Way candy bar, I think it was at that time, may have been a Snickers, but the more I thought about it, just like the internet porn, the more chemicals are released, all right? Until finally, I got to a point where I had to have it. It, it. There almost was no choice anymore. I'd gone too far down the rabbit hole to come back, okay? And part of me feeling like I was about to have a heart attack before I got out of there, part of that was the conflict between what I believed was right and what I was doing but the other part of it was the chemical tidal wave of imagining and then doing something that I believed was wrong for me to do. Okay? So, if you do something, you have a belief, even if it is a rationalized one, that that is the best thing for you to do at that moment. Okay? So, that's where it needs to be addressed and healed, is, wait a minute, no. T today, if I was back in front of the five and dime and really wanted a candy bar and didn't have any money, I think I would do a little bit better job, okay? And I would say, okay, yeah, I, I, I hear you. All those things inside of me that are saying I want a candy bar and I want it now, I hear you, but no, that's not worth it. I know I have that belief still today that I could steal that still today at 50-something and be okay. And I could have the candy bar and be okay. All right? I have that belief still today. But today, I would choose not to, not to uh, steal the candy bar because I will be better if I don't. I'll be okay if I do, but I'll be better if I don't. And the other side of it is that if I do steal the candy bar, because I think, well, I can have my cake and eat it too. I can steal the candy bar, eat it, enjoy it. By the way, I won't enjoy it very much. Not nearly as much as I imagine. And then I can still be forgiven for that and be okay. All right? But if I choose to do what I know is right, 
and not the rationalization belief, it will give me way more pleasure and way more uh, positive hormones and thoughts and feelings and the physiology of my body and me and hope and everything else than doing the other thing and just being okay. Plus, when I do the thing I think is wrong, thinking I'll be okay, so I'll start doing right tomorrow or whatever, that's how we get locked into the vicious cycle. And that was, that was part of the pornography research too, is that that chemical tidal wave is so overwhelming that it's, it can be almost immediately addicting. Because it's like I've never felt anything like that hardly. All right? So, um, anyway, you, if you do it, you do have a belief that it was the best thing for you to do. Now, I would grant you that is a wrong belief. And it is based on a lie and there is a lie in it. Yeah, you probably would be okay. But it is going to hurt you to do that. And you might get into that addiction cycle as well. Okay, if someone is, comes into my office and tells me the, the title of the spiritual law of nature, one changes, one never does. If someone comes into my office and tells me, and I've had this happen a few times, my beliefs have never changed. Okay? And, and they'll explain that. Ooh, that is a red flag for me. Okay? Because we are supposed to keep growing. We are supposed to keep changing. We are supposed to keep going higher and higher and higher on that mountain. Not to just find a nice little cave halfway up and sit there and say, okay, I'm just going to stay here from now on. This is good enough. We're not built that way. We're built to keep going higher, to keep becoming better, and to help others do that too. In an ancient manuscript written uh, about, oh, three, four thousand years ago, I think, Solomon, uh, considered by many to be the wisest man who ever lived, said this, intelligent people are always open to new ideas. In fact, they search for them. Okay? So if someone comes in to me and says, my beliefs have never changed, they're not searching. And 99 times out of 100, they're not open. And I don't think it is coincidental, considering those two things, that they're usually not happy. Now, they may say they're happy, but when they start describing their relationships, their life, etc., they're virtually always stuck. Sometimes they have even given up. They've gotten to the place of apathy, which is uh, the worst place. Anger is not the worst place. Apathy is. Giving up. Okay? Um, our conscience is part of our un it's in our unconscious mind okay i have never met a psychologist 
a minister, and I don't think a medical doctor, although I don't think I've asked many medical doctors this, um, do you think we have a conscience or not? I've yet to have one of those people say, no, I don't think we have a conscience. All right? This is, this is important because we can't find the conscience. But we all experience it. We have sort of an inner knowing of, I shouldn't be doing this, or I should do that, etc. I call the conscience the love compass. Okay? So we have three things, more, more than three, but right now let's focus on three things in what I call our spiritual heart, because that's what Solomon called it. Psychology calls it the unconscious, subconscious, etc. Those three things are right beliefs, wrong beliefs, and your conscience. Now, your conscience is never wrong. Ever. Ever, never, ever wrong. But most people who are stuck or in apathy, or, or uh, something where their life is not what they believe it should be, okay, those people tend to not be consulting their conscience or obeying it. They're just, I believe this all my life, I'm going to believe this all my life, I'm not really open, nothing works, Nothing, you know, everything that I need to know, I already know, okay? That tends to be the kind of things they say and the place they are in their lives, all right? Um, people who are in prayer, in meditation, uh, in sort of like a Tevia and Fiddler on the Roof, uh, having a running conversation with God, kind of all the time. Those people tend to be in touch with their conscience. And, and, and what that does is if you're in touch with your conscience and you believe it is your love compass and you believe it is never wrong, then it will tell you which belief to act on, even if you have multiple beliefs about the same thing, like stealing the candy bar or not. Now, that one's really clear-cut, but there can be others, like, should I marry this person or that person? Or we're not getting along. Should we get a divorce or should we not? Should I, should I do this business thing, kind of stepping out on a limb, or should I not? And I believe our conscience can give us guidance, maybe not word for word do this, but, but kind of a feeling guidance in all of those kind of things and more, if we listen to it. But if when we're young, we get that message from our conscience, no, don't steal the candy bar, which corresponds to the belief that it's wrong to steal the candy bar, but then I, in spite of that, choose the rationalization belief to steal the candy bar and then repent of it later and be okay. If I do that over and over and over, I quit hearing my conscience. 
And it's not that it's not there. It's not that it's not willing to talk to me. It's that I'm not listening. So if that's where you are, and you probably know if you're there, that can totally come back. So I would start praying that it will. I would start asking, please, uh, conscience, talk to me. Let, uh, give me some guidance here, even if it's just a feeling or an impulse or, or a vibration like Dr. Lipton talks about in his book, The Honeymoon Effect, okay? Give me a vibe about which way to go on this, all right? And it will come back. But your conscience is what tells you which of these multiple competing beliefs that we have about so many things in our life which one to do, or, or a new one that maybe we don't have a belief about at all. Okay, so your beliefs through your life should be changing as you grow and mature and as you seek new things and find them and try new things and some work and some don't, etc., etc. All right? The place you want to get to is where your conscience, your beliefs, and your actions are all in harmony. When you get to that place where all three of those are in harmony, things just get better and better and better in your life. As long as you are in disharmony with yourself, and I would say that violating your conscience puts you in disharmony with yourself, I mean, we're all going to have those wrong competing beliefs inside us, all right? Uh, we inherit those from our ancestry. We have popsicle memories from the first several years of our life, all right? Uh, those are going to be there, all right? But if what we actually do lines up with the beliefs that are confirmed by your conscience, then you're going to be in harmony with yourself and your health, your relationships, probably even your success and career are going to get better and better and better. All right, last thing and I'm done. Uh, if you've listen to me or read much of my stuff, uh, you probably heard me say more than once about an ancient manuscript written by the Apostle Paul that totally changed everything in my life. And that is, if anything, an understatement. My self-worth was in the toilet. My health was bad. I felt tired all the time. My marriage was about to break up. I was about to go bankrupt. On and on and on and on and on. And I read this manuscript, and it changed everything for me, along with some other things that happened too, but this was a big piece of it. And here's what Paul said. What I want to do is not what I do, but what I do is what I don't want to do, and I do this over and over and over. And it totally described me, okay? And I believe he's describing what we're talking about today. I'm violating my conscience over and over and over. I'm choosing the rational I'm, I'm choosing the rationalization belief uh, regularly instead of the belief confirmed 
as in truth and love by my conscience regularly. And it's, and it's awful and it's terrible and I feel guilty about it, all right? Well, it totally pegged my life up to that point, and that was in my mid-twenties. But then Paul says the thing that uh, was like letting me out of jail. He said, when this happens, it is not me doing it. And and very first thing I thought of is, well, how can it not be me doing it? I remember stealing that candy bar. I remember those feelings. I even remember how the candy bar tasted. What do you mean it wasn't me doing it? All right? What I believe he means is, and what he said is, it is sin living in me that's doing it. It's not me doing it. All right? So what is sin living in me? I believe it is a memory and belief that have lies in them that is resonating a fear signal to the brain uh, causing us to malfunction and the end of that malfunction is me doing something that is not in line with my conscience and right beliefs. Okay, So what Paul said is when this happens it's not me doing it. What does that mean? It means that if I'm right with God then when I choose the wrong belief, the rationalization belief, when I go against my conscience, even if I do it over and over and over again, no guilt and no shame. Instead, there is forgiveness, there is love and joy and peace even as I continue hopefully less and less, but continue to choose the wrong thing. And I believe that is the case for me, for Johanna, for you, etc. And here's the magic of it. When you start living under that paradigm, which I call grace, because Paul did, instead of the law paradigm, where if I do good, I get good, I do bad, I get bad. If, I, if I'm living under the grace paradigm, I don't have to worry, I don't have to be afraid, and guess what? I start doing the right thing, the thing confirmed by my conscience, way, way more than if I'm living under the law system where there is guilt and shame every time I do something wrong, which makes me do wrong more and more and more because of the guilt and shame. It's a paradox, but it's also magical. So um, one thing changes, one never does. Your beliefs should change. Doing what's right in the present moment never does. But if you're living in the grace system, if you're right with God, there's no guilt, there's no shame, freedom, forgiveness, 
love, etc. Think about it this week.